Welcome back to the Healthy Business Podcast. This is a very special episode. I'm Ty King with American Business Engine. With me, as always, is Jessica Cam Collaborative. Jessica. Uh, and also, we're joined by a third party and a very important party of this time of year, right? So, you're very integral to the spooky <laughs> season. That's right. That's right. Can't have you, uh, backgrounds like you have without guys like you, right? So, um, uh, Carlos, you. please introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. I'm the uh, art director for Spirit Halloween. I've been here for actually in New Jersey for about three years now, going in February. I came from LA. That's kind of where my home is. And um, yeah, just been designing toys and product development for about 18 years. Uh, moved over to New Jersey. Now I'm here heading up the uh, the animatronics team in um, you know here in, in New Jersey at Spirit. So it's been it's been really fun. Very cool. So, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like we were talking before we started recording about how this is kind of a crazy time of the year for you because you're leading up three months into before Halloween even. You're trying to get all the new products together and placed yeah. and getting, I guess, out of There's a lot involved in there, I'm sure. So my yeah. experience with your animatronics is walking into a spirit Halloween and uh, get, you know getting scared because I walked past the wrong one that moved. You know what I mean? It was waiting for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I was like, yeah, so I found you on LinkedIn and started following you over uh, over a year ago and been following your posts and uh, your development of like the I mean, just uh, the figures and everything that you're doing there. Animatronics, um, even like the killer clowns line you're doing now. Um, So, yeah, just wanted to give you an opportunity to come in and and sort of talk about what you're doing. And Jessica has plenty of questions. I'm sure she designates herself the queen of Halloween. So awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That was nice to meet you. Exactly accurate, but I do love said. Halloween. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty crazy road, especially during this time of, of year. We, you know, we're really <clears throat> starting to wrap up for the following year, and you know, getting a lot of stuff done. And um, like I was telling you, Ty, it's like you know, um, this is the season where we ch- kind of like fine tune everything for next year. And um, so it is um, all hands on deck. Everybody's kind of on on high alert, trying to get things you know ready to go. And so, um, so it is. It's a very crucial time for us, especially for Halloween around the corner. You know, a lot of us volunteer at the stores. You know, during the during the season. So mm-hmm. um, we are immersed not only in design, but also with the customers, cons- you know, consumers and stuff like that. So we um, we are a big part of the the ecosystem of spirit. You know what I mean? So we're kind of tied into a lot of different things. And so it's 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 amazing that we get to participate not just in the development aspect of it, but also the consumers as well, um, interactions, uh, events, and things like that. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. So what's it like in your, in your creative process, right? So whenever you're creating something, you know, normally when, you know, we talk about this a lot on, on our podcast about like when you're creating a product, you have somebody in mind for this, you know, and so you try to cater it to, to that customer, right? You being, you know, this is a this is a major store that comes across, you know, seasonally uh, across Halloween, and uh, you're is there a process of you coming up with a design and then showing maybe a board that you know approves or or you know wants improvements on that before it becomes an actual product? Like, what's that? What's that series like? Um, <clears throat> well, it it is a um kind of a standard development process that goes across like. Um, any hard lines team that does like, you know, hard, um, like, you know, decor, 
Uh, when I say hard lines, I mean anything that's not soft stuff like costumes and plushes and things like that. So when I say hard lines, I think about everything that's behind me right now is pretty much all hard lines development, which is hard mm-hmm. goods. Sure. Um, so uh, basically, when I, you know, when I come up with an idea or my team comes up with an idea or we're inspired by something, um, we typically have our you know our standard um, you know development process. You know, I mean, between the beginning of the year. And then we go into, you know, obviously um, concepting, you know, we put our presentations together, that sort of thing. So again, it's standard across every studio that I've ever been a part of. It's like, it's kind of followed suit, uh, you know, across the board. Um, so you mm-hmm. got your development um, part of the, of, of, the, of, the, of the process and then you go into presentation season. So a lot of our stuff is pretty much internal. So all our buyers are pretty much in-house. So there's no, no one that we have to cater to outside of us. You know what I mean? So when I present, mm-hmm. I don't have to present in hopes that Walmart will pick me up or that Target will pick me up, which is something that happens with the toy industry. You have a lot of people that are, you know, fighting for space. In this case, we fight for space, but in our own space. (laughs) So it's like we're trying to figure out like what makes sense for our store, for our consumers, that sort of thing. So for me, it's, um, it it is uh, interesting to, to, um, uh, to go down this because we've never, I've never pretty much have gone just directly to a buyer and be like, Hey, this is a cool idea I have. Or they come to me and say, Hey, we thought about this or we saw something. So it's very collaborative in our, in our, in our development with them. And so uh, you don't get that very much with other, other companies. You know what I mean? You don't get to have that back and forth and uh, have a full team, not just the creatives, but also our buyers, our project managers, you know, they all kind of, collectively work together to you know to assemble such a, a great presentation to the consumer so um it is a, a pretty much a village to kind of make this happen so um for me personally like i said it's like you know as a art director i i kind of um um oversee my team and when i when they come up with ideas or we we have uh different segments in our development schedule which is our animatronics then we got our our licensing decor our non-licensing decor stuff so um, our weapons, our masks. So there's different categories that each uh, of my team kind of uh, hones in, you know what I mean? So again, I have different chefs for different, you know, um, for different types of foods, you know, if you want to call it that, like there's, everybody has their own flavor of different uh, styles and things. So, so there's, some of my guys are very good at, you know, um, weapons and masks and so on, but pretty much everybody collectively is, um, is, um, is a, oh, oh, hold on a second. Where are we? Okay. Uh, my dog's there. So at the end of the day, it's like um, they uh, they follow the same process I do. So at the end of the day, we have like, um, again, we show our concepts to our buyers and then they, you know, they pretty much just select what they want to get. And then we go in and we tighten it up, send it to our China team. And then we start kind of going into that, that process. So it's really cool. I really think it's a, it's a, it's a fun process. And again, it's something that I follow throughout my years. So it's not anything new. It's just a, uh, it just has to be, you know, kind of all gathered in one line so that we all don't kind of scatter everywhere because everybody has so many crazy ideas, you know. Um, and so we have to kind of wrangle them in and make sure that we follow suit with the rest of the group so that we can kind of stay steady on the course, you know, for, for final development. So it's cool. I hope I answered your question. I know I went around the whole thing. You, like You that. did. You answered all the questions. It's a very kind of bizarre way but it's it's it is like like i said it's like every every other studio has been like you know really really cool steady steady flow so what kind of lead time do you have on an idea um it depends on the again the category right so i mean if there's some so like uh for us it takes longer to produce an animatronic 
uh, versus something like a sticker or a mug or something like that, right? Because um, animatronics, you know, you have to develop stuff from the looks of it, the paints, you know, the the the, me the mechanism. Um, there's a lot to those things, and so that takes a little bit longer than anything else. And also, there's you know, there's electronical things that we work on and electronic stuff that. Uh, takes a longer lead time. So we do kind of tackle those things first and foremost in our schedule so that we don't have to, you know, rush anything at the end, especially when they, there is so much to do. Sometimes, you know, when we do animatronic stuff, it's like, you know, you have um, some paint jobs that the China factory can't produce because on our side, we want them to look like movie quality, right? So we paint them mm -hmm. up and doll them up like really, really cool. Well, in China, they don't, they don't have artistic <laughs> they don't have the artistic yeah. eye like they're literally on the line just literally painting painting as in shifting painting shifting painting shifting. so yeah. for us it's very difficult to to um to get the quite the look we're looking for so we do have to allow ourselves a little bit of lead time for for those type of things so yeah so each one depending on the category we do have to be careful on on our on our schedule with that stuff but animatronics will be like our our one of our main ones that we give a lot of lead time for so mm. so we send Math. concept out and you're you get sort of a get sent to this assembly line basically that's what that is um and they're painting it but not exactly yeah. the way that you had you know originally imagined do you take that again and be like you try to readjust so that it's easier for people that are on that assembly line to go ahead and paint i mean we try to because again it just yeah. depends on who's on the other line you know if sure. somebody if they're switching shifts and then they, you know, one, oh, one true. shift is doing a really good job and they're steadily moving and moving and moving they they got the rhythm and then you shift, you, you shift the crew. And then now they're like, you know, now the rhythm's off. And so that, that's something you can't control. You know what I mean? That's something you have to kind of go along with. So that's why we have our, you know, our, our team on that side that does like the inspections and we get our buyers and them get like first samples or, you know, they get certain things that kind of like help us to understand whether or not, the line is moving as we want it to. We see like defects and stuff. We address them right away. Um, so there, there's a system that we have that 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 is in place to kind of avoid that sort of stuff. But again, once it hits the store and like just recently, yesterday, in fact, I went to the store and I saw Pennywise sidestepper. He's those guys that dance like like those dancing Santas, right? And I went in and I took pictures of it, and I actually meant to show it to my team this week for our meeting, but um it, it really was a really sloppy job like the way his paint was oversprayed and everything but again that's something that is you can't you can't catch that because it's already like we've approved the first ones everything's good but again when you shift the crew now you got people that are just like just jamming to get it done and now the first crew did it a really fantastic job that we approved now we're well now we have to go back and be like okay you know we have to look back and say listen guys you guys got to get it together because you guys are getting a little sloppy here you know some stuff's getting out of you know over over spray on paints and pennywise is very particular because he has these very fine lines that are red all mm -hmm. over but when you have them over sprayed it looks like he just ate like red cake and he just had it all <laughs> over and it, just, yeah. it doesn't look good you know so yeah. it does it does affect things you know what i mean especially you know in the assembly line i mean quality control is something we we, we kind of sure. try our best to um try our best to um you know, to, to manage as best we can. But again, when you have a crew mm -hmm. overseas versus our team, you know, we don't always have that, you know, that control all the time. So we, we, you know, we try to do our best, but again, not, not, not everything gets 100% reviewed. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's with any, any, any place. It's like, it's hard to mm -hmm. control every single one that comes off the line, you know? So you have to let some so, things go. <laughs> so when you're dealing with an overseas company to try and, 
um, manufacture your your product, what what advice would you give another company who's going to be first going into that? Um, do they need someone who translates in house, or I mean, what what kind of things do you, would you suggest to a small business who's looking to outsource to China, for example? Um, yeah, having somebody on your team that can speak the language is super important. Like very, very important. Um, somebody who understands manufacturing is also important because sometimes, like the, again, the China side, um, they're they're in it for the business. They're not there to cater about anything else but their business. You know, I mean, their business is what they got to take care of um, ultimately, and that's the end goal um, for them. But for us, we have other, you know, we have other goals. You know, we have our personal. Uh, you know, profits and, you know, all that stuff that we have to manage on our side. But for somebody who's just starting out, I would definitely uh, make sure you have a really strong um, uh, engineer team or somebody who engineers really well that understands what you're trying to get into. Um, there's a lot of engineers there that, you know, that understand a lot of different things. And so having a team that's, it's a tight knit team. And I've worked with teams that are very, very tight knit. And by that, I mean, you have a, a strong project manager um, that understands, um, you know, um, like your, like your, like your, like your, um, um, like your material costs, um, you know, all the stuff that goes along with development, uh, for product. Um, and so there's, there's a, there's a, you gotta have a, a good team for that, you know what I mean? Like engineering team, um, design team too, somebody who understands the quality that you're trying to go for, you know what I mean? And so also don't just nail down with the first factory that you go to because, it might not be the right fit for you. So, I mean, always make sure that you see their their portfolio or, or what they would say, like their showrooms uh, to see if they can actually manufacture um, something that, you know, the quality that you're looking for. Because again, there's hundreds of factories in China and I think everybody will fight for your business, but not everybody can give you the quality that you're looking for, right? So it's important that you take your time to really establish a relationship with somebody that you feel will be the best results for your product. You know what I mean? And that's, that's important, especially when you, when you, when you kind of, it's almost like going to like a, like a buffet, right. Or someplace where you go eat and then you're just like, just tasting a little bit of each one and seeing what's the right, like when you go to the mall, right. And you go to the food court and you're like take, testing samples. It's kind of like, to me, it's like that. I don't know how everybody else feels, but to me, it's like that. Cause I, I really like to see like samples or images of stuff that they've created. Um, um, you know, if they work with licenses, do they have, you know, I, I look at a lot of different things, a lot of factors for factories. And so, I mean, especially when when they're certified for Disney or they're certified for, you know, to, to, to you know, to to be able to support, you know, your licensing, if you're going through licensing, or if you're doing non-license, do, can they produce, you know, the materials that you're trying to go for? Do they do fabrics? Can they do? So you got to look at the variety and or do they have the capability or uh, uh, resources for them to go outside of their own their own factory to you know bring you in uh, an additional factory to assist in the the final development um there's factories that can do a whole the whole spectrum some factories do it in parts they'll do like some some things but they'll outsource some other stuff and so if they have that network around there that can get you to your final result that's always important to notice you know what i mean so always make sure that don't just go to the first factory always make sure that you ask the right questions Especially that you got to look at your interests, not just theirs and the relationship, but also it's your, your interest is the most important part because they'll tell you they can, you know what I mean? <laughs> they want your business for sure. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you got to make sure that it's right for you cost wise, um, you know, whether they have uh, good, you know, shipping, you know, all, all that stuff that goes into the whole, the whole process of 
domestic oh i mean sorry the um, uh, international shipping and all that stuff so it's important to ask the right questions for that sort of stuff so that's i mean that's what i would do i mean if i was to get into it we know that you design a lot of different, you know, like I said, uh, what do you call them? Hard figures? Yeah, hard, hard line stuff. Yeah, Hard lines. Yes. Yeah, those <laughs> uh, hard lines and animatronics. And so with, when you're doing animatronics, it's more than just design, right? Uh, so do you have to have some sort of understanding of robotics in order to design the animatronics so that it works functionally? Um, it helps. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I just, as long as you understand um, mm -hmm. your limitations, um, you know, obviously you're not designing with hydraulics. We don't design with hydraulics. So there is limitations on our side uh, as far as mechanisms we can use. Um, so just having an understanding of motion, understanding of um, how, how motors work and what can be used. Like for example, if you can use one motor to do two motions, um, you know, that sort of stuff is important to know, you know what I mean? So it's not like it's like we're building rockets. I mean, we're not, we're not going to the moon. It's just really just simple mechanisms, you know, planetary gears and things that are very simple and, or open market stuff that is kind of used all over. So if you open up any animatronic from like pretty much, pretty much everywhere, anywhere you go, whether it's Lowe's or Home Depot, Spirit, anywhere you go, um, they all pretty much come from the same place and so a lot of them share kind of the same mechanism so everybody kind of knows the style of mechanisms that they are so if you were to go to the store and just lift up lift the top up or their costume up and you see the underneath uh guts you you kind of see that it's so simplistic and it's just a really just a simple motor just moving it back and forth you know so it's like a simple toy it's like a toy but bigger so um, for coming from the toy world, I mean, we've had to work with car, car, like car vehicle cars, RCs, which are more involved. You know, there's a lot more to it. There, but if you really break it down, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same mechanism because you have an IR sensor and that triggers uh, emotion or triggers a sound. Or So same thing with the animatronics. You, you wave your hand in the RI sense, uh, IR sensor and it'll trigger his audio and it'll start his movement. And Again, when you play with RC cars, you have an IR, you know what I mean? And so there's, it's, it's kind of the same exact thing. So it's not like you're, you're if you play with toys enough, I think you, you, have, you have a pretty good understanding of, of, of how these things function. But I mean, like I said, we're not playing with anything uh, really high tech. I mean, it's really kind of old technology and it's been around for a very long time. So um, it's not, I wouldn't say you have to know robotics, but I think it, it helps to understand mechanics. Like if this motor moved this shifted this way and then you have a camshaft and it moved this, you know, like you have all these different things and it does and it, you know, and it just rotates. Or if you have a, almost like a, how can I explain to you? Like, um, um, like a, like a rotating motor and it's almost like a train, you know, like a train wheel and just going like this and it's, you know, creating motion for two things to move, pull back mm -hmm. and forth like this. So understanding certain things how they function is important but i don't think you really need to know robotics to kind of get in it i didn't know robotics i came in here but i did have an understanding of uh, mechanisms and and, and uh, electronics because of my background you know i've done rcs i worked on a lot of uh animatronics i mean um you know uh, with spongebob i got to work with a lot of you know uh, uh, light and sound stuff a lot of stuff with batteries and and you know um you know plug-in adapter stuff so there's really i mean it, it kind of came with the with came with a package i've been doing it for 18 years so i kind of understood it but anybody who's just starting out it's um it's definitely um a plus if you know robotics or understand it uh, in an engineering mindset i guess you know like having an engineering style of thinking is important 
but I don't think it's important that you build an animatronic, you know, based off of robotic knowledge. You know, I don't think that that's how it works, especially because factories are the ones kind of building it at the end. Um, we rarely touch the actual mechanics. We just kind of guide them as to what we want the mechanics to do. You know what I mean? And so there's a little bit of, a little bit of both. So you got to kind of, you know, have a little bit of understanding so you can communicate that clearly to, to, to allow function and, and design to work together. So, yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. The um, so you mentioned SpongeBob in there. Like, obviously, you've worked with you know several different licensed products. And so, what what's the difference between having, you know, just complete open freedom to create a new, you know, maybe become an IP? You never know. Uh, but you're creating a completely new creation, and versus working with an uh, a licensed product. Well, I mean, two things. So for licensing, if the licensor allows you to be creative like they did when they gave me the ability to redesign the killer clowns that's phenomenal because as a designer you want to give it your flavor you want to be able to bring life to them in a way that you would you would do your own product it's almost like you take it personal you know like for me i took the killer clowns a little personal they, they were they became a little bit more more stylistic to my taste um which actually panned out to work out really well um, you know, we got awarded, um, for the killer clown stuff that my team worked on from animatronics to, uh, you know, from, uh, from the decor stuff and, uh, licensing, all the licensing mugs and cups and fleeces and everything we got to work on with my team, uh, it, you know, got awarded because it, it, again, it was something that, you know, um, we were given freedom to do what we wanted to do. So I think it, it, when you let creatives do their thing, it's awesome. When you work on a license that doesn't allow you to do that, it gets a little bit harder to, to have fun with it. But the, the challenge for any designer should be to make it fun and make it creative and, and have a good time and learn from it. Even if it's something you don't enjoy doing, you just have to learn from it and grow from it, you know. And so um, so from an IP perspective, I feel like uh, if I was given the opportunity to do an IP versus license, I would obviously love to do an IP because that's where that's where all the that's where all the creative stuff comes. From. I mean, that's where it's at. You get to start from scratch. You get to have a uh, you get to work on the process from start to finish. You know what I mean? And, and that's the beauty of it because uh, I worked on a lot of IP stuff, and and it's and it's always been my favorite because it just evolves as as you as you get more into the product. You're like, oh, what if we you know what if we added this guy to it and we added this and then it becomes this gigantic branding thing. And it just becomes this cool world that you're establishing with your team. And, and I think that's the, that's what I think everybody strives for is to do a cool IP um, because then, then it becomes like, Hey, a licensing opportunity. I mean, look what happened with Paw Patrol. I mean, that's something that you develop an IP and then it became like a billion dollar like franchise thing or branding or whatever. Um, so I think for me, it's like, I have fun with both of them. So with licensing for me, if it's a fun license, like SpongeBob, for example, I can honestly say that SpongeBob legit, like I never thought it was going to be that, but I think SpongeBob changed my outlook on a lot of things and working with the Nickelodeon team uh, and kudos to those guys. Cause those guys are amazing and working with them uh, really br uh, and letting them trust, trust me with the brand. I got to work on a lot of fun things that, that my team, my marketing team um, was able to uh, come up with this cool idea to make it more aged, appropriate, more aged up. And um, and then they said, okay, Carlos is gonna design. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then they let me run with it. And then I took all those ideas and I just put them all in this style and this creative way to present it. And 
it got to a point where again it was it was an amazing thing and um being nominated in 2019 for the toy designer of the year was a a, a big big thing for me because i you know I, I was given creative freedom with spongebob and i never thought i was able to do that and i got to work with a great team and at Nickelodeon and that was again it changed my whole you could say it changed at that point it was a turning point it really changed my my life uh for sure because I got to go to London and I got to go do all these different things and travel and China and develop stuff with engineers and I, I was it was really involved because I was pretty much the only designer working on it in-house and so it really uh, allowed me to to learn about you know um about uh, you know plush and inflatables and collectibles and play sets and uh, you know figures and, and and I just built a whole line. I mean, it was just like an entire line of fun stuff and Giggle Blaster and the DJ Bob and it was just I mean everything was just fun, you know. And it, and then again, it's that was a license thing, so I had a good time with it. So if they give you the ability to have a good time with the license, have a good time with it, enjoy it, have a good experience with it. And walk away satisfied knowing that you gave that license your absolute best. But if you're also given the opportunity to do your own thing in IP, like give it your give it your give it your all. I mean, spend the time with it, create something really special because you want to inspire the next generation. That's the goal, right? I mean, as a new IP, you want to inspire the new next generation. You don't want to just be like, oh, I'm just doing it for a job or I just want to get paid. I'm just, you know, I, I this is what I do for a living. You know, it's like, no, it's like, what are you, what is your purpose for doing this? You know, and for me, it was like, you know, um, for me, it's about like, what do you leave behind? You know what I mean? I want kids later down 30, 40 years from now saying, you know what? I remember battle machines and that was the coolest thing. And it inspired me to be a toy designer. And I'm like, wow, I, I created that. I mean, it was just something that I created, you know, I broke my son's toy and I created this toy. <laughs> and it just, like I said, it just, it becomes very much like um, a, a motive for inspiration for the future. You know what I mean? And I think that's the key mm -hmm. thing is like a lot of us designers, um, we have to just keep that in mind to keep our industry growing, whether you're doing animatronics or Halloween or you're doing car designs or whatever, someone's following behind you like 10, 10, 10, 20 years later, that kid that was buying your toy at the toy store could be the very kid that's in school, you know what I mean, trying to become that, you know what I mean? And I think that's the beauty of what we do because later <clears throat> on, it just, we just leave that behind, you know, that's what we leave behind. Like, you know, um, I got these He-Man figures back here. And I remember growing up thinking about these. I had bags of toys that my parents, Thundercats and G.I. Joes and, and all these cool, you know, like GoBots. And I had tons of toys. And I, I never thought I would be a toy designer. I never thought in my life, in my ever life. But I was so inspired by them so much that, you know, and now I look back and I'm like, Skeletor, oh, my God, He-Man, oh, my God, Thundercats. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I buy these things. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I do this too. Like I am doing this now. You know what I mean? Like now this is just stuff that I collect now, but it's really stuff that I do. I, I get, I get paid to do this. Like this is what I do for a living. So that's, that's what it's really awesome. Now, now that I do animatronics, it's kind of cool because I have, and my team does too. My team does too. So we have fans from spirit that are so out of control fans that love the brand that are so interested in becoming designers because of what we've inspired them with. And, and that's the, again, that goes back to what I said earlier is like, we do it because we love what we do. We design for a purpose. And I think it's like, you know, we all, we all plan to leave a legacy behind. I think 
subconsciously, I think every designer wants to leave something behind to say, I, you know, hey, grandpa, I remember when you were doing this stuff back in the day and like, yeah, I remember when I, you know, it's just a cool, it's just a cool thing to be able to tell that story when you're old and say, yeah, I was a part of that or I worked on SpongeBob and I got to work with, you know, so-and-so I got to work with this guy. And I, and those are the stories that will forever be, you know, remembered, you know, and it's like, that's what I think I'd love to tell my grandkids one day and say, Hey, you know, your grandpa worked on star Wars and your grandpa worked on Marvel stuff and your grandpa worked on, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just a cool story. Cause then you, you don't want to be the grandpa to be like, well, I didn't do nothing. I just, you know, I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, you just want to be purposeful in your, in your creations, man. It's like, whether it's licensed or non-licensed, do it with a purpose, you know, enjoy it, um, learn from it and, you know, whatever it is, whether it's IP or, or, you know, working on, on brands and stuff. So that's what I would say. Long-winded. Yes. That's what I would say. <laughs> so if there was a company who was looking to capitalize on a um, copywritten brand, but they've gotten permission and then they're going to go work with an artist, what type of things would you suggest for them to keep in mind? Uh, can you repeat that again? So, that, so let's say that I have a company and I'm I'm producing a widget of some sort and sure. uh, Nickelodeon's giving me SpongeBob and I'm like, I can have SpongeBob on my widget. And I come to you as the creative and I'm like, okay, I want a thing. What type of things should I be looking for as some guidelines, some guide rails to make sure that I'm staying within, you know, my vision, but also keeping in mind that I'm working with a national brand? Um, well, I think first off, I mean, definitely make sure you're working with an artist that, um, and you're talking about just for the artist, but like, like how, you, how you select an artist? Yes, the, 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 that relationship, yes. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I would, I would definitely push for a, a relationship with somebody that understands branding or you know like like that type of stuff because some people don't understand how to treat a brand um mm -hmm. that's very very um it's not that it's hard to find it's just that some people are good at designing product but they're not good at like i don't know how to explain that to you it's like there's there's some people that understand how to design like toys product whatever you want to call it but when you give them an actual brand to work with they don't know what to do with it. They really just know whatever the style guide says or whatever you provide. So if you say to them, hey, I need you to create a SpongeBob line for me. Here's what he looks like. And uh, here's his, a couple cartoons and look at them and watch them. And I need you to help me build a brand or help me build things from, from this character. Um, some people might not be able to do that because they're not, they don't understand how to, you know, um, they don't understand how to be versatile. Is that's the word, the versatility, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So find an artist that is versatile. That's the, that's the key thing. Find an, a versatile artist that can be able to take that style of that character and brand it or, or make it to fit what your vision is. You know what I mean? Whether it's stylizing it, whether it's, you know, creating it through a vector look or a Photoshop look or a realism, whatever it is, the style you're looking for, you got to make sure that this artist is be able to be versatile with that line and be able to take, you know your vision to that to that level that you're looking for um and like i said it it does 
I've, I've worked with my share of amazing artists that are versatile. Um, I myself like to be versatile only because of that reason is because I like to be more, um, I want to have more opportunities to work on things that are more fun for me. Okay. Whether it's your idea or your brand, if it's fun for me, I'm going to have fun with it. So I have fun with whatever I enjoy working on. So being versatile, I'm like, Oh, I can do this. And then for this, I'll do this. And for this, I'll do this. And then, I, and then now I'm just building this world for you. And then you're just like sitting back, just watching all these things just come to life and all these ideas. But if somebody's not versatile, um, you're only going to get pretty much a just a flat, you know, very basic, you know, look of stuff. You know what I mean? And so I would say find somebody that you can you can trust with versatility and and understands branding for sure. I can totally understand that. And I totally find that all of your stuff is so inspiring as far as spirit. Harleen's my favorite stuff. Ty, do you have anything else to add? I could definitely talk to Carlos all day about his art process <laughs> <laughs> and like Halloween and like seeing your creations, you know, in store when people go in there, obviously people are taking photos and selfies with your animatronics that you're creating. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I can't help but like look towards the future, sort of like when you're, you're, you know, creating these, they give you freedom to create these killer clown uh, hard lines. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But next year there's a big video game that's being produced so they're collectors that are going to be looking for what you're creating this year. Uh, and that's going to be amazing. Those are going to be collector items that are going to sit on people's shelves, just like you have behind you right now. So yeah. What- I mean, the, the ones that I have right now for killer clowns is like, I have these guys here, the popcorn snake. Oh yeah. Up yeah. Up here. So, I mean, there, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of fans that pick up this stuff. The game is completely different from my style um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like, the darkness that they brought into the game of that, which is really, really cool. I didn't go too dark with it because I did want it to have a broader audience. Um, I did want to make it for, um, I, I wanted it for kids, but also for adults, for females and males and whatever, whoever wants to buy it, they can all, it's all, it's all for everybody. So it wasn't just creepy for one specific horror genre. It was really yeah. more about let's make this a broader thing. So that's why I went with that. Awesome. kind of made it well, thank you for talking to us today. And if people wanted to follow you, where would they follow you at? Well, I'm I'm trying to stay away from Facebook because it doesn't. I don't have no, no business there. Um, but I I definitely uh, have an Instagram that everyone can come see my work there. It's at Carlos Three and then Art A R T, um, and that's where I pretty much post all my latest stuff. I got a book coming out coming soon, so. I hope to to kind of inspire people off that book and you know hopefully I can come back to your show and talk about it because yeah it's for sure yeah let me I'll let you know what's that. up and I'll let you know when it comes out but yes appreciate we'll put all your contact info in the comments of all the videos and the Thanks, podcast itself, so no problem it's about to kick us off here so I got to say goodbye sure. uh thank you so much <laughs> again for talking to us just guys, I really appreciate you guys yeah, for sure. Thank you. you guys, bye bye. Good to meet you, Jessica. Yes. Bye-bye. Yes, bye bye. Yes, of course. Bye. Bye bye.